Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate our bill. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. Welcome back to another episode of Into the Superverse. We've got a new one for both of us today. We're watching, or we just watched, Blade. The one and only Wesley Snipes. Uh, I have been hearing about Blade ever since, I don't know, Wesley Snipes has always been a household name. Um, this one's been on HBO Max for a couple months, and I'm glad we waited to, to watch it until we had the podcast. But this was a really good time, in my opinion. I can't say that it was on my radar, but happy to be here. <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of people didn't have it on their radar if they weren't around for the release of it, or maybe like in the early 2000s. But now that they're doing another Blade, they're doing a reboot with Mahershala Ali as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that put it on a lot of people's map. Is Wesley Snipes going to make an appearance? I'm sure he would love to. He has been pretty vocal about... He did give Mahershala Ali his blessing, I think. But, you know, he had a couple tidbits where he was like, I wish they would have contacted me as if he was... Sorry, Wesley, but I don't think you were going to be cast. Actually, I was going to say he's too old, but Mahershala Ali's say, pretty old, too. They're like the same age. I mean, I think Wesley Snipes is older, but... I, I think it's fine to cast a new person, but it is kind of surprising that they went with somebody that is already... He's popular now, though. Yeah, I mean, lots of people are popular. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's start off the top with a scene that really makes me long for the days of going out to clubs and bars pre-COVID and bathing in blood with your vampire friends. Nothing like it. No, truly. Uh, this I can't was... remember the last time I bathed in blood. You know? You know it's what I mean? A, it's been at least a year. Well, this was the most Matrixy opening I could imagine. It's the whole late 90s leather. black leather goth, slightly bondage-themed aesthetic. If you weren't... so hot at the time. If you didn't have a leather jacket, you just weren't living. Yeah. You a weren't long, in the know. A long leather jacket. Yeah. It was a... Uh, not not the opening I was expecting, but, you know, maybe I should have guessed. It was, it's about vampires. It's rated R, and I think they kind of knew the tone that they were going for. I appreciated the fact that they didn't feel the need to start with an origin story for Blade. More or less, I mean, we see him being born, I, if that counts as an origin story. but I think I could have done with a little bit more world building. Um, mostly, like... What do other people know of vampires? Because the fact that, like, apparently all of the police are in helping the vampires and then, like, they just don't tell anyone just could never happen. I loved that when uh, the, the massacre at the first vampire club ends, the police just wander in. And I was going to be like, <clears throat> I was expecting them to be, you know, a little bit shocked maybe a little bit perplexed by the scene, but they walked into this little basement of a meat processing plant, fully soaked in blood, and saw a guy 
in the fetal position on the ground covered in blood and a vampire on fire and all they could say was put that guy out. I mean, the meatpacking district was very hip. Um, at this time, they had a Sex and the City episode about it. Samantha moved there. Um, it was like a hip place to be. So Sex and the City need more vampires. I could see the Samantha wanting them to go to this club. Yes. It's not real blood, guys. It's just red paint, but <laughs> it's very Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> not Carrie Bradshaw, but... Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, um, yeah, the the whole thing about who knows about the vampires and who does it is a little perplexing, and maybe they thought that they couldn't sell it one way or another, so they just decided to not really get into it. Um, it did kind of make me question things in the first 20 minutes or so, but after that I kind of got over it. The intra-vampire uh, social conflicts were more interesting anyway. Yeah, I thought that was clever. The pure, this is very Harry Potter, pure blood wizards slash vampires versus unpure or turned. I was trying to like keep track of the rules of this world because, I mean, we're all familiar with Twilight. Yes, of course. The, the baseline for <laughs> vampirism. Yes, the baseline that came out in like 2004. <laughs> They rewrote the lexicon. <laughs> um, so they, they pretty much established straight away that holy water and stakes are... Crosses. Holy oh, water yeah. and crosses do not work. Do Ignore what the movies tell you. Thank you, Wesley. But silver... They really leaned on the garlic. Silver, Maybe too much? Garlic fire. The, the garlic is so funny to me. I did not know that it came in so many forms, but we'll we'll get there. And then some, do you think only some can come back to life? Or like if you're turned, you can't? That seems right. If you're turned, you can't. Because the guy from, everyone knows, Grounded for Life, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I forget what his name is in the movie. Um, Quinn, a.k.a. the dad and grounded for life. Um, he keeps coming back, obviously, from from uh, some from some real bad injuries. And oh, it yeah. seems like the other people died kind of easily. Also, what are the missing person reports in New York City right now? Because there was like 200 people at that rave and they all. Well, I guess they didn't all die, but they all turned into vampires the, the they're not doing well. They don't have time for this. They have they have a list of suspected vampires, and they're just like, you know what? No, the police are helping the vampires. That's the whole thing. They're in on oh, it. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. And is anyone out there writing investigative reports on why their backlog is so huge? Or is anyone that looks into it just getting turned into a vampire? Look, all I'm saying is I have questions about the greater world. And I'm with the um, OG vampire people to be like, look, we know how to operate. We know how to keep a low prof. Stop opening fucking nightclubs. Now we got this boy band leader in on it, and it's just, it's taxing. He thinks he's hot shit. Yeah. What a, Deacon Frost, what a, what a villain. Um, okay, I wanted to jump back to the beginning a little bit. Sure. Because I enjoyed how we go from 
the scene in the club to I thought maybe we were going to go through like a a normal person's framing of this whole thing with the lab workers and they're having their like little talk about like have you given us a second thought and I was like okay one of them is gonna make it out of here and they're gonna be you know she really gets on board with the whole thing it's not the direction I was expecting it to go but mostly just had a question was that um who brings a still smoking corpse to the morgue? They're like, yeah, this thing is still, still got some embers on it, but just, just put it in the bag. It'll snuff the fire out. Well, maybe they did that because they were in on it and they were like, it could be. I don't know. I was just like, come on, man. What else are they gonna do with it? They're certainly not making a crime scene. Yeah, spray some water on it or something. They're in. They a... said put him out, but I think that steaming was actually from being a vampire because they like were steaming when there was like garlic and stuff like that like, oh. i think that was the vampire thing happening oh, okay that makes um, more sense that which more sense. which could lead into just a general note and i think we'll get into some specifics as we move along here but but the effects of this film so good well not the word i would have used not good but fun it reminded me once again of Ghostbusters. That seems to be my, like... It's your go-to for anything made I before lean on 2004. <laughs> As, like, the... Like, they did effects, I feel like, to a degree that other films I... Well, I didn't watch that many films from that era, but, you know, that's my point of reference for special effects in the... Sure. ...80s and 90s. Yeah, I mean, the vibe from this is they were at a weird point where they were kind of moving past everything being done in makeup um, and, you know, kind of like uh, uh, they're moving past everything being done in makeup and practical effects. So you had a mix of, I thought the, the makeup was great for the, like all the blood and oh, the yeah. gore and stuff, but the, the CGI, they the blood definitely had a nice thought, texture to it. They thought it was hot shit when this movie came out. They were like, guys, when this guy bubbles up and explodes this is cutting edge. I feel like it wasn't, though, for the time period. Like, I think that I've seen other films in the late 90s, early 2000s that handled I think you're CGI right. I think you're better. Right. So, I don't know. Thinking of The Matrix, for instance. That is true. And The Matrix was, what, 1999? Mm-hmm. So, one I year think. I mean, later. it does make me wonder. I don't think any of it was intentional. Because the, especially for the time, the tone of this is pretty, pretty dark for a comic book movie. They're taking um, themselves very seriously. Wesley the, Snipes is the very character, serious. But he like has lines and stuff that are not super serious. So I'm like, really mixed on it. Well, I, I thought like, at the what? beginning when the guy tries to shoot him, he's like, motherfucker, are you out of your damn mind? But I don't think that was like meant to be funny. I don't know. Well, this is like before everyone was like emulating Samuel L. Jackson. (laughs) That is true. Well, it just seems like they like this was meant to be played serious. Like it wasn't played for like we're being a campy comic book movie to me. I got a little bit of both. I think it was a little bit tongue in cheek. I didn't take it that I didn't take it that way. I, I like 
if I think of like a campy comic book movie, and obviously this one came out a little bit later, but Fantastic Four was like definitely campy, like they were playing on the comic book vibe. And then there was like movies like Daredevil and Elektra that were like, this is serious. We are superheroes. And it felt more in the Daredevil Elektra. But those obviously like they played a little bit later. But I agree that it was probably in the direction, but I still got the tone from this to me was different than of those movies. It felt like they they knew that they were fighting vampires. They had the scene where he and the other guy are like trading spin kicks. Like I just that's true. Maybe it's just me projecting. And the villain on it. was very kind of silly. Yeah, but I like to me I wasn't like. Am I just thinking it's silly or were they like very aware that it was silly? Because I was also thinking about the time and like that, that guy, um, Frost, which I mean, come on, what kind of name is that? Um, like, I think of just Frosted Tips. Like, is that what they were playing with? I don't I, know. I think that's probably an existing character. Yeah, that's true. Thank God they didn't give him Frosted Tips. A little bit. Like he had some <laughs> blonde, I think, in his hair. Close, but no cigar. Um, I forget what I was saying, though. But just that, I guess that that, that villain, quote-unquote, was so over the top that it, it seems serious. Do you know what I mean? I get what you're and, saying. and he was so much of that time. That's what I think I was starting to say. It's like, he is very much of that era, but, like, not played for laughs. Like, that is who we knew from Backstreet Boys in Saint 90 Degrees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, either way, no matter how you look at it, it's enjoyable for one reason or another. Yeah, Whether I don't know if it matters if they meant it to be serious or not. Like, it was enjoyable. You're right. It probably depends on who you asked uh, in terms of who's involved in making the movie. I mean, I haven't seen very many or any movies that Wesley Snipes has done, but based off of his, like, film repertoire, like, he doesn't do a lot of comedies. Or he's always the straight man if he is doing a comedy, it would seem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We just have to ask him. Wesley okay. Snipes, come in the pod. A uh, <clears throat> couple more things from earlier on in the film. Uh, early on, we meet Whistler, played by Chris Christopherson. Best and character. Yes, I think he is the best character in this movie. May he rest in peace. I was just kind of perusing his Wikipedia while we were watching, and I knew who he was, but it kind of drilled into me how funny it was to see him in this movie, in, in a movie like this, doing a great job, uh, knowing that he had been in a country music supergroup with Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson. and I didn't know that. One other guy. This is the first I'm hearing of this. He's in The Highwaymen. Really? He's an established country artist who had a very big career and then pivoted into acting he was a goddamn delight oh yeah he's so good i mean the whole like their whole crew was great mm -hmm. i and I'm, I'm like not i don't actually mean to be giving wesley snipes a hard time for being like so serious like you need the leading vampire hunter to be serious about their job right. um but I, I mean just down to like all, I mean, I just, yeah, I just liked um, the doctor we had, like, 
Yes. Um, down to like Karen. Like I just thought that they had a good dynamic going. Yeah, yeah. I also really loved Karen. I love that she was a doctor, like that she helped with the serum. Like she definitely was not a damsel in distress, really took that role of like female character that gets injured a bit early on, like what you were saying. Yeah, she had like... And ran with like it. Like a day in real time to be like, well... I guess I gotta get used to this. Like, I'm in it now. I mean, I feel like if I got bit by a vampire and survived, I would be on the train of, like, let's end this business. Like, like what do you I, have to I would put, <laughs> It would put some fury of revenge in me. And start developing serums, buying bullets filled with garlic. Especially because she was already, like, studying something related to this. Yeah, yeah. It was meant to be. Uh, yeah, so we already talked about the uh kind of social hierarchy of the vampires which is a fun little touch on things um it did make me kind of the scenes where they were all talking amongst each other in the council reminded me of shows like charmed where there's always i feel like the the villains and those the supernatural beings always have a very very formal social status and they all sit around long dining tables and argue about why or why they shouldn't kill humans or (laughs) what Um, have you i also don't know about this and just to bring it back to twilight um which i'm not sorry about (laughs) um that twilight stole from this and from many other things like this whole idea of having a vampire council so to speak and it's it's also a reference to like the Catholic Church in the Vatican. Like, it is a direct reference to that because they are based in Vatican City in Twilight, which is just insane. Um, what religious commentary is this? Enough. There's enough there. Catholics I feel are like, vampires. Well, I think they're just like, these These are evil dudes. And yeah, maybe so is the Vatican. No. I mean, I'm not going to say what they're, they're commenting. Stephanie Minor commentating on but um for sure i i mean this is a very general note but and i could be not i don't i might not have all my facts straight but it it seems insane that this is like a really prominent black character that's the lead of a superhero film and we don't get another really prominent black superhero character that's like the lead until like Black Panther. I don't know if there's like another movie in between that maybe I, like flew under my radar, but this seems kind of crazy. That this was 1998. And That's 20 years. Yeah. I mean, there are actually I was going to say there there are probably some, but Black Panther was such a like monumental occasion when it happened. You know, it. Like a it was, lead, it was in a, a moment, movie. you know, yeah. again. But like, and then there's like this movie that clearly felt. I mean, we were like four years old when this movie came out. But um, you know, I've certainly seen other superhero films that came out earlier than this. Like, it's kind of a shame, obviously, that it fell under a lot of people's radar, and then there's nothing really since then. Yeah, yeah, it's. Like, I don't know if it was, like, ahead of its time or not. Or, I mean, it feels very appropriate, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the only thing I could think of for 
there's no excuse for there not being more black leads. I'm wondering if people think of Blade more as being like a horror movie or it doesn't feel like a superhero movie. movie. Yeah. I just know that it is. I mean, Stan Lee is on mm-hmm. the producing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like a white director, a white writer. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I assume that Blade is black in the comics. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, clearly, superhero movies have had a problem with representation of people of color. So now that I feel like it, it shouldn't have taken Marvel Studios so long <laughs> You know, to, to not have all of their leads be white people. But uh, we can only hope that from here on out, they are a bit more inclusive with their casting. And it seems like the the directions and characters that they're choosing to adapt for their future movies and Disney Plus shows is a sign of good things to come. But we'll yeah, see. Yeah, DC needs to kind of catch up with what's happening. Uh yeah, they do. With Marvel. But, I mean, obviously it took Marvel so long. They've got a lot of problems. <laughs> DC. Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, to go back to something, like, a little bit less serious, um, the garlic shots. I know we already <laughs> mentioned it, but I just felt the need to say it again, was that he was, like, going to this niche Essentially, an essential oils it's store. Swing by the apothecary. And... Essence of garlic and. Got that laying I feel around. Like you could just get that from the grocery store. Just buy a jar Food of. Food processor. Pre pressed garlic and just spoon the juice out. Like, is the essence something else? Like, I, mean, I don't know. It's just distilled garlic. Get some olive oil with garlic in it. I don't know. I feel like. Take a nice I, shot of that. You know. I feel like I've probably said at one point or another, as I'm putting two full cloves of garlic into any given dish that we're cooking at home, I just want to inject this garlic into my veins, just cut out the middleman. But um, they really, they really took it to the next level in this one. Do you think they just like went from the garlic press straight to the syringe when they had to? Well, they garlic? added blood, I think. I don't know what was going on there. That uh, that needle was probably not sanitized. Uh, another... Um, I think Whistler knew what he was doing. Yeah, that's probably true. Certainly Karen did. <laughs> she wouldn't let that thing go in without giving it a scrub down. The, uh, character of Pearl is, to me, unapologetically 90s. Couldn't exactly tell you why, but it felt like a character that would pop up in... Austin Powers, maybe... Well, I was thinking uh, Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, sure. Which, of course... Oh. <clears throat> yeah, like, I know Jabba's not 90s, but it, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was more the CGI that they used <laughs> than the, the design of the character itself, but I was like, that was this, this makes sense to me that this is here. I would say that's when the shark began to jump for me in the movie. Like... The first half, I was like, okay, this is pretty standard vampire hunting. And then we got to that scene, and I was like, I'm in for a different movie than I was anticipating. It's so funny that it does go from there to having this morbidly obese vampire that they start killing with a UV light, talking about the blood god and all these ancient prophecies and 
all of a sudden it took from what was a somewhat grounded movie to, I don't know, whatever you want to call the second half. Like so many questions about that. What was the, what was the reason? Flavor. Same reason as um, them not really going into explanations about the police involvement and stuff like that. I guess it's just supposed to be, you know, this Everyone is not. Everyone has a pearl. Is that true? I <laughs> know. <laughs> And, well, what you're saying in the 90s or 80s, everyone did. There was another character that I was, oh, I was going to say maybe like a, a Men in Black thing, you know, just. It did feel Men in Black. That's another good reference. I think it's because Ghostbusters deals with the celestial and this is kind of in that same. Yeah, yeah. Like where it's like we're in real life, but we have this, you know, yeah. foreign species or whatever i think i kind of enjoyed that we were seeing a a lot of this through uh blade's explanations or lack thereof as karen just gets brought along for the ride on everything and she's not really asking any questions and she's asking the right questions yeah but like stuff like that she's not she's not like yo what the hell she's like oh i can shine this uv light at him and kill him if he doesn't say the right thing okay (laughs) on it yeah like it's what it is it's the vampire world baby are there other big differences that you notice between turned vampires and born vampires like do you think there's other power changes or (sighs) you know i i don't really know it just kind of seemed like the vampires that were not necessary for the plot were just cannon fodder and blade could kill them with one swing of the sword. But (laughs) if it was a, a named villain, then they suddenly had the ability to come back. I'm not sure how that holds up. I mean, I think it did because like he never actually hit frost before frost turned into the blood that's true vampire and even like frost's posse like i don't think they ever got hit with anything and survived yeah i guess we just didn't see it yeah the other like rule of the world that i picked up on was just and this is across all vampire depictions vampires are just over sexualized and i just I mean, there's a scene at the end that was... Something. Yeah. They were like, we can't do a sex... We we either can't do it, or it just doesn't work here, but you know what? We can just really sexualize getting your blood sucked. Oh, yeah. I feel like... I mean... Like you said, vampires are just kind of sexualized in general. This movie is not inventing the wheel, but it does beg the question of why. I mean, I thought he and his mom were going to have a moment. She like, yeah, it was weird, man. And then, I mean, obviously Frost had all of his, you know, I don't know, stuff happening. 
there was a lot of like touching the faces and it was almost like if I touch you like something's gonna happen you know that if he didn't show up to that rave that it would have gone a certain way when I think they're just gonna eat that dude I don't know there was just a lot going on there that I wasn't I wasn't ready for you had, to, you had to cover your eyes. Oh, just about the mom. The mom stuff, especially. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah, uh, a lot of bordering. Actually, not even bordering. Just straight up uncomfortable sexual overtones that really, uh, really came to fruition in the end. There, <laughs> which we not, didn't need. Not needed. Yeah. Really not needed. But I mean, I don't know what they were trying to. They're just trying to appeal to to vampire fetishists. Get them into the theaters. I think it worked. <laughs> That's where 90% of their box office revenue came from. The uh, the most affecting scene of this film is Whistler's death. Uh, yeah. They telegraphed it, saying that he had cancer, uh, and you could kind of tell that he wasn't long for this world with his attitude, but it was still very sad. And made me mad at Frost when he was just kicking his face in and was like, I'm not going to bite you. Not cool. It makes me sad because but I do... somebody did bite him. Yeah, I think Quinn did. Sure. Um, it makes me sad because I want to watch the at least Blade 2, maybe not Blade Trinity, but knowing that he's not in it, he was, he was the best part of the team. But clearly he uh, did a good job with creating a, a genuine character that you care about in a movie like this which is pretty impressive, I think. Well, we can talk a little bit more about the, the special effects in general, especially towards the end of the, the film. We started experimenting with how to kill vampires. So Karen makes the, I don't know what to call it. A, not a, It's not a, a serum, I guess, and it's not a cure either, but it, uh, it makes vampires explode, more or less. Not sure about the science of it, but... I am sure that the effects team was having a great time with that. Yeah, I what well, has garlic in it? I'm ass, I'm assuming, you know. Most likely. And there is one part where Karen like uses her garlic like um mace on the one vampire and her head also explodes, but they say earlier that it's supposed to cause like anaphylactic Yeah, I don't shock or I think whatever. they just wanted to have like we're wearing whole hog. They just wanted her head to explode. They wanted everyone's head to explode. I mean, there was one part at the very end fight where <laughs> Frost gets cut in half. His body, his torso flies upward. And then this like glob of blood brings it all back together. Um, it was very over the top. Love that for him. Frost is a diva. It's what he wanted. That's his fighting style. Diva. Yeah, I keep saying he's in a boy band, but he doesn't seem like he'd do well as a group. He would go solo instantly. Are you saying that he's the JT? He's definitely the JT. I mean, Frost. I want to meet the rest of the vampire boy band. They're in the background all pissed off. Uh, so I guess the big plot twist is Blade's mother still being alive. How do we feel about that? Does it matter? I thought that at the very beginning, because we didn't see what happened to her, 
And we, I mean, I think we just assumed that at the beginning that was like a vampire baby. Yes. Um, so I had like a lingering thought about it, but then didn't think about it again. So I wasn't like so shocked. Yeah, it just seemed like a weird, I mean, it was a fun plot twist, but the way that they did it was so, she wasn't even really... It was, it was like just a, another... too short for there to be much of an arc there. He was yeah. immediately like, yeah, I'm over this, um, mom. Yeah, and she was not really. <laughs> I thought if anything, like she was going to have like come back from it or something. I don't know. I feel like they could have. Yeah, that was like kind of unmind her, uh, plot that they kind of let go. I think if I had written this movie and I was like, I want to set up a sequel and we want to include this plot twist, I would have had her maybe have a crisis of conscience and escape from the scene before Frost right. can catch her or before Blade and then kills he her. he has to keep chasing her, and he's trying to, like, bring her back the whole time. Yeah, yeah I think they could have done answers. a lot with that. Yeah, they kind of just finished her whole arc in about half an hour. I mean, I wouldn't say that this movie was, like, heavy on character development no like they wrote or they had i guess from the comics all this backstory to blade but they were kind of like eh, we just want to do the fight scenes we don't really care about all of this um juicy plot no yeah. can't really fault them for it the fight scenes are pretty cool but yeah could use some more characterization but Maybe we'll get more of that in the sequel. Um, yeah, as far as the the final battle, uh, we get some skeletons crawling out of people's mouths and then flying away. Any other comments on Ghostbusters. the crazy shit we got in there? Ghostbusters, yeah. Uh, the whole the whole last fight scenario is pretty pretty fun. Um, really, just cranked the fight choreography and cgi up to the max love all those spinning kicks um and i liked blade and frost's final fight where he's throwing all the syringes and then roundhouse kicking the last one into his forehead yeah i thought all the fight scenes were good i liked the park scene too that was yeah we kind of went over that but um I also kind of wanted more plot from Frost because it seemed like he was dealing with a lot with, you know, do I want to be human? Do I want to be... Like, clearly he wanted to be a vampire, but it seems like he also missed some of these human things like being able to go outside <laughs> in the sunlight. Your standard stuff. Um, and, you know, be with the people, you know. Be amongst them without His having to fans. drink their blood. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think he liked the, the blood drinking stuff. Yeah, he was into that. Um, but, you know, he's really into sunscreen, which is really good messaging. I like when they are all wearing their leather jackets and motorcycle helmets. You gotta do what Very you gotta do, prepared. I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's most of what we have to talk about. They, uh, they ended the movie pretty quickly. You know, they have him get out. Blade's like... No, I don't want you to cure me. I want a better serum so I can keep doing my thing. And then hops on a plane over to Russia. 
Yeah, I mean, they really wiped out the group in uh, New York. Yeah, they did some damage. It's pretty impressive. So who knows what they're gonna what they're gonna be doing after this? I'm sure there's more international vampire cabals. I don't think I would want to give it up either. No, because then you just have to sit on the sidelines. You know, well, yeah, knowing that like, they're out there. Your whole life has been this at this point. You know. Also, if he got cured, then he would just get presumably hunted down by vampires for the rest of his life and wouldn't really be able to do anything about it. Yeah, but I guess the alternative, like the idea is that he is dying or going to be turning into a vampire if he doesn't do anything, or I don't really know what yeah. the implications were. Yeah, as long as he's not taking his serum, it's closer to him just turning into a full-blown vampire. Well, having, I, having the bloodlust over the everything. Thirst. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do you think it would have got done better if it was called Daywalker? Daywalker sounds like a movie. No, I don't even know what that sounds like. No, I, it I don't. It reminds me of the It's Always Sunny musical episode. It's just Dayman. Dayman. Ooh. No, Bleed's a, Bleed's a cool name. I think Bleed is a cool name, and they they know that. They're not messing with it and for it, the reboot. It's it's a appropriate name. It's yeah. apt. It speaks it's for itself. Silver Blade. Yeah. I just hope, uh, you know, the Marvel Studios reboot of this is obviously not going to be the same in any sense of it, but first of, first of all, it's not going to be rated R, and they've been pretty adamant about that. They actually addressed that when they first announced it. They said, no, it's going to be PG-13, and you're going to like it. So, yeah, I don't know how much vampire blood you can include before it gets an R rating. I uh, <laughs> guess we'll find out. I mean, I think it's going to be a lot more subtle. Yes, but things have loosened up a bit. You know, there's a lot of PG-13 horror movies out there. I'm not here for the, you know gore sure i don't have a problem with it personally like i think a lot of people wrote it off the moment that they said it wasn't going to be rated r i think there's a lot of stuff they can do in a movie like even i even want a more movie plot. like this right that's what i want i think we'll get that um you can also like kill some vampires and keep it keep it pg-13 yeah. i mean we've all seen twilight y'all too true but i am a. I am very interested in seeing what they they do with the character because outside of this, I don't know anything about Blade in the comics, any characters or anything, so they'll probably get an opportunity to jump into a lot more of that stuff. I'd imagine they'll do like an origin, more more stuff with him getting into the business. I don't think so. Maybe if they're using Mashallah Ali because he is older. So I feel like if anything... He's like, this is just me making up, and I don't know anything about what's coming, and so maybe there's more information out there, but, like, he's, like, some semi-retired, or he's, like, the whistle guy, whistler guy, and they come to him, and he's, like, been doing this for years. Oh, that would be fun. The the grizzled veteran approach. I mean, Ali's not that old, but, like, definitely an older person. Like, he's not... But, I mean... Wesley Snipes isn't, like, a young buck, necessarily, in this. He's not, like, 20 years old. Yeah. He's jacked, though. Yeah. 
He looks great. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but he's not like, you know, some of these other new Marvel shows where they're supposed to be like pretty young. Like yeah, like the, literal teenagers yeah. in some cases. No, but I'm excited. All right. We want to do some of our little games for this one. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite scene from Blade 1998? Blade 1998. Um, I think the scene with the train and everything, like when ah, they're getting that's a good one. out and like them leaving Pearl's uh, library, I guess that whole scene is pretty good. Pretty good fight scene and um, it's very intense train scene. Yeah, loved that. Uh, really uh, got me thinking about Spider-Man 3 when he holds Sandman's face against the side of the train because he does that to... Was it Quinn? Yeah, he does it to Quinn in this one. Um, yeah, actually, I was going to say whatever scene starts with Whistler blowing up the wall and being like, yeah. I got you all doing something important and mowing them down, so I guess that's the same one. All that good Whistler. Um, so if not that, then probably the opening scene. I think it's iconic. It's the thumbnail that they use on HBO. It's a buck wild scene. Because it really gets you right into it. You're right there with that guy being like, oh man, I'm just going to go out with this uh, woman with a weird Eastern European accent. And I too love surprises. Not like that. Nope. I really thought that guy was going to die. I was fully expecting that. A lot of other people somehow. did. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's just scarred for life. What would this movie look like if Zack Snyder directed it? Well, any of those comments that I said about this movie taking itself not too seriously would be thrown right out the window. Uh, I am sure that there would be some very, very heavy-handed religious euphemisms one way or another between the different sects of vampires because I don't think he could help himself. A lot of philosophical statements uh, between the pure half-blood vampires and what it means to to no longer be human. Oh, yeah. Maybe a monologue from the villain or something. Um, And a lot of slow-mo potential with with vampire blood They actually really restrain themselves with the fighting scenes, thinking about the Matrix. Like, they really didn't do that much. Yeah. They're very practically done. You know, nothing super outlandish. I mean, yeah, they do a lot of flips and stuff, but... And, I mean, from what I could tell, which isn't a lot, it looked like Wesley Snipes did a lot of his own fight choreography. Like, it it didn't seem like there was a lot of cutting away, but... um, Oh, the other... um, thought I had was um, if we were to develop a spinoff of one of the characters and thinking about who our favorite one was, Whistler, I think it would be cool to see Marvel do an origin story of him like well before this movie takes place. That would be really fun. A Disney Plus, kind of like a Mandalorian style movie or TV show, I mean, that's like its own thing. It has nothing to do with any other plot really i mean he is a very fascinating character he's a level-headed guy he's been through a lot and knows his kind of knows his place in the universe and is just doing his thing to help the good fight and it does not face him whatsoever anymore and yes do i think woody harrelson should play him 
Absolutely. <laughs> you do great. No, I want I want a Logan style movie in an alternate universe where <laughs> Whistler survived but Blade died. Mm, I haven't seen yeah. Logan. Old man Griff. Old man Whistler. Doesn't it doesn't tell you anything. Okay. I'm saying I haven't seen it, oh. so I don't know. Oh. Only insofar as Logan's a grizzled old man. Whistler was already a grizzled old man. Now he'd be a really uh, grizzled, really old man. Really grizzled, really old man. That's a tongue twister right there. Uh, our other game was mostly just to talk about whose powers we'd want, and we're kind of limited. Really? I yeah, who's, who's don't think character? I want to be a vampire, but I think we already know who our favorite character is, unless you're going to say someone different, but for me it's Whistler. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like um, Quinn's thriving. <laughs> he has survived a lot. He got. He has two hands at the end. Can I just say before that? Before he dies, but... I really thought that when there's the whole charade of, hold out your arm, Quinn. No, I'm just kidding. thought he was definitely just going to do it. For sure. Why did they even include that? It was a real worm tail moment, you know. But, um... Yeah. I... They tricked me. But again, were they trying to? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. But, uh, Frost was not so annoyed with him that he was like, I'm going to cut your hand off again anyway, so... Well, if you're listening out there, tell us if you think movie was meant to be funny... Or meant to be totally serious. Please. There I, is no in-between. <laughs> <laughs> this is black and white, folks. I don't know where else to go for my Blade discourse, so shoot us an email or tweet us. Slide into Instagram the DMs. us. Yeah. Whatever you gotta do. But no matter what, you should leave a, a review on whatever app you listen to podcasts. Be honest, but this give us five stars. Well, we have really enjoyed kind of jumping into the Blade world, and I think we'll probably go ahead and watch the sequel. Uh, At that, some point. Yeah. I'm not, not in a rush. We're, yeah, we're not rushing. We got, we got plenty of material to work with, but I have heard that the sequel's good. Third movie is I mean, not so hot, but it does have some interesting stories from this production. We gotta see it for, you know, Ryan, we need, we're really following Ryan, Ryan Reynolds' trajectory in superhero world, so. That's like its own thing. We gotta, we gotta see that, we gotta rewatch Green Lantern, obviously the Deadpools. Yeah, but rest assured. Hobbs and Shaw, I don't know, whatever he's in. I actually forgot he was in that. Well, either way, <laughs> by the time... Marvel Studios Blade reboot releases, which I believe is actually projected for next year. We'll see if it sticks. Uh, we will have watched all three Wesley Snipes Blades and we'll be ready. Bold statement, Griff, but I'm in. All right. Until next time, we've been Into, into the, the Superverse. superverse.